Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Everybody, welcome back to Indie Game Business Sessions. And so anyone who watches knows that we talk about contracts and, and all of that sort of stuff a lot. We usually talk about it with other business nerds like me or with lawyers, but this time we're going to cut through uh, all of the bullshit and we're going to talk with a developer who's in the midst of looking at a bunch of these contracts and understanding what's important and why you need them and all of that kind of good stuff. So uh, without further ado, I would like to welcome Crystal from Skyreach Studio and your game Critter Crops. Thanks for coming on. So, all right, let's start at, at, at the basics. Tell us how you got into the industry and what you're up to to this point. So uh, long story short, um, my day job, I'm a software developer, but I've been a gamer since forever. Um, and, you know, once I got that kind of expertise in coding, I, I wanted to dabble. And um, for my senior project in college, I decided to make a game that kind of blew up out of nowhere and got me in the mix of the indie development community. And so here I am today, uh, kind of in, in the publisher mix and, um, you know, just kind of getting my name out there uh, with Critter Crops, which um, has been really interesting. <laughs> All right. Interesting in, in how has it been, you know, difficult or what sort of challenges or this is awesome because we get to talk through the points that all developers face, no matter how unique everyone thinks their situation is. This is life in general, as I've learned. It's not somebody else is going through it. So would you say it's been interesting? Can, can you elaborate? So. Um, I think as gamers, we, we all have this perception of, of what a publisher is, um, and most of those perceptions are wrong. Um, you know, everybody thinks a publisher, like getting a publisher changes your life, your game is going to make millions, you, and it's, it, you make a game and then you just say, hey, publisher, pick me, and they do. Um, that. <laughs> that's not, that's just not how it works. And, you know, myself included, I was like, okay, it can't be that hard. Um, it's a lot more difficult than most people uh, anticipate. You know, we, we go into the idea of, I want to get a publisher and people don't think about how much work that actually takes, you know, having an established community, having a, a game design document, having, um, a proper pitch deck with all of the data that a publisher is going to ask you for. These are the things that like me personally, I knew nothing about when I started to kind of look for a publisher and even think about it. And, you know, you don't even think about the contractual agreements that have to be made um, as you're making your game, not even like talking about a publisher. <laughs> um, there's so many more contracts than just this is my publisher and I have my contract with my publisher. There's so much more than that. And um, so people don't think about these things. All right. So and we're going to get into those, those different contracts as well. But so how have you, and I know you're in the process, we're not going to name names. You're, you're in the process of looking at a couple of different publishers here. Obviously that is a fantastic situation to be in. Is this your, this is your first, professional game right yes all right so how did you go about what did you do to go and garner that interest from publishers in the first place um so i guess i i'll never tell people that um i did a bunch of work no i didn't um okay <laughs> the truth is um i i did get a little bit lucky um 
um, I, I, I think the game speaks for itself in how well it, it did in the social media world and um, just kind of the world platform. Um, and I just like my, my social media manager was like, hey, you should think about this. And um, she kind of reached out to a couple of people and there was a lot more interest than I even knew. Um, so I, I didn't have to do a lot of the, the like super legwork that um, I know some other indie developers have had to do to kind of get their foot in the door. Um, I didn't have to do that. So I, I'm honest and I will say I got a little bit lucky. I had some pretty big posts that, you know, people just kind of like, oh, I see you, um, which kind of really helped me when I started actually like sending out pitches and saying, hey, are you interested? Because I'm interested. Um, so I think I would I would just say, try to put your best foot forward, um, like put your best content out there because people are watching even when you don't really know they are. So, so when you were doing posts, you're talking like post to Twitter or Reddit or Facebook yes. or yes. Tinder um, or where, I mean, wherever <laughs> you're... <laughs> So um, I would say that we probably got the most leverage as far as like people seeing the game um, on Reddit and Twitter. I know everybody knows that Twitter has just like an immense indie indie gaming community. Um, so I really think that's probably where we got the most exposure. Um, and then Reddit, I had a few posts that uh, some of the publishers that I spoke with were like, yeah, I saw that. Uh, so use reddit i don't know how to use reddit but use i don't reddit. either it, it, it's all it, it's all good it's uh, we've talked about this earlier it's like i have a love-hate relationship with it because i'm on it pretty much all day yet i don't post a lot because i don't understand it that much I'm older um, than i look i guess <laughs> but, but i mean i can't tell you how many times i'm not going to say you were lucky because you put yourself in the right position at the right time. And that's all anyone can do. And, and I have had, I don't know how many agreements that and, and deals that I have done for you know my companies or for companies that we were, were representing over the years for the very same exact reason. It, it's like I happen to email them at the right time or see them somewhere at the right point. And it's, it seems like luck, but it's not luck. Because if you weren't going and doing these things, none of this would have would have ever happened. Um, all right. So one, everybody out there, when you're you've got questions, pop them in chat. We'll answer them live. All they always like we usually do. Is that right? Yeah. It's it's the third day, Crystal. So you got to bear with me here. <laughs> all right. So let's jump into all these different agreements. So and. and Folks out there, I am totally cheating because like within 10 minutes of Crystal and I talking about this session a few weeks ago, she sent me like an entire paragraph of, of talking points. And I was like, oh, okay, you're going to be on here a lot because you make my job easy. Um, so publisher agreement, we'll get to that. What other types of agreements were you talking about? So um, I so I started off my project as a solo developer. Um, I'm still technically because I'm the only dev on the team, uh, but I do have other people working with me. I have a musician. Now I just hired an animator. I have my community manager. Um, and, you know, two of these people are doing this with, with no money. Um, and so a lot of people will have people on their team and not have like some kind of agreement because they're not getting paid. And um, that's bad. Don't do that. Um, everybody needs to kind of have an idea at the end of the project when, when the game goes out to the world, who's getting what, what's going where, because you run into problems. Like, I, I will get into it later, but, you know, having employee agreements, if these people are technically your employees, um, it's really important to kind of set the boundaries of who does what, what goes where money stuff early early on because like my game um you never know what's gonna happen and you don't know people as much as you think you do um yeah 
Is this the classic Mike Tyson? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face type thing. Once, once money starts being a part of the mix, um, I I don't want to say everybody's a horrible person, but a lot of um, moral clauses kind of go out the window, and everybody's looking for a handout. Um, and you know, not saying that my team does that, but it has happened. And I'll discuss some of those stories that I've heard these horror stories later. Um, but I would say the biggest thing for me earlier on was just having employee agreements. You sign the contract. This is what you're doing. This is what you've agreed to. Period. So um, where where did you where did you find them? Where where did you get the employee agreements? Um. Honestly, I just, I did a bunch of research. There's a ton of resources that you can go like online and pay like 50 bucks and you'll get like a template. Um, and you know, you can kind of change those up to match your project. Um, I luckily for me, I, I have a very good like day job. So I was able to pay an actual lawyer to look look them over, um, before I sent them out to people and everything. Um, but there's a lot of really cheap services on the internet. You don't have to get a lawyer to do these things. Um, that they already have pre-made ones for a ton of different industries and it's very inexpensive. There's actually, I think uh, Tom, one of the attorneys that we've had on here in, in the past is Thomas Gugler. I think he actually has a resource, like a, a developer kit. It's like 200 bucks or something like that. And it's like, here's all the contracts that you need mm -hmm. as an indie dev. So yes, they are out there. The So what, let's just, let's get to the good stuff. What are some of these horror stories that you've heard? And let's just talk through how to avoid them, how to deal with them, that sort of stuff. So um, one story I <laughs> is comes from a very good friend of mine. I won't say who, I won't say what game, I won't say the studio or any of that. Um, but this Unless person, you donate to the channel right now, and then we'll start naming names <laughs> and all that shit. Okay, this person it. worked on their game for a very, very long time, and they were hyper dedicated and um they had a friend that was working with them as their artist and uh the game kind of popped off at the end there and uh when when the game finally launched this person wanted a percentage cut of sales um that's not how it works uh <laughs> This, partic this particular person was an employee. Um, I, everybody, unless it says somewhere that you get a cut of sales, you don't. If you're an employee, you get your salary and that's it. Um, but this person made the argument that they didn't understand their contract when they signed it. And um, everybody, you know, there was these horrible, they were like, oh, first it was, I didn't sign the contract. Then it was, I didn't understand it. Um, if they hadn't had that contract to begin with, that would have been a nightmare situation. And it still was for them. Um, it was a big headache uh, because then this person was like, oh, well, I made your logo for your for your company. That's mine. I own it. Um, and it was a big nightmare. It, but thankfully for them in their situation, they did have a predefined contract. And this was a person they knew their whole life. Like they were good friends. And that's what I say when I'm, that's what I mean when I say, you don't know a person when things get successful, you have no idea what, who they're going to turn into when money comes into the mix. And that's, that, that's like one of the big stories that I'm like, Oh, cause this was a very good friend of mine and kind of watching them go through it. I realized when I started my game, I do not want to have any of these issues. <laughs> so I kind of learned from them, make sure that, you know, who you're working with, they understand what they sign. They read through it. You explain it to them um, to the best of your knowledge. Encourage them to get a lawyer to explain it to them. Like, because... I can't imagine. I'm not a confrontational person. So I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but it is. And we always say 
you don't write contracts to deal with the situation right now when everybody's happy and friendly. You deal with them to, you know, mm -hmm. when things go sideways. And that is absolutely not only with personal and, and inner employee contracts, but with publisher contracts, because no matter how good that relationship is, and I use this line constantly when I have a company come back and going, why are you being such a hard ass on this point? You know, and it's like, you and I are friends. We've known each other for 20 some years, you know, business wise. I don't think in my mind, you're going to turn around and screw me all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. But what if you leave the company and then I'm dealing with somebody else over here and I have no idea. So you always have to make these things preparing for the worst, no matter, you know, how good it is and who you're dealing with up front. Because yeah, you're right. You don't know, you don't yeah. know how it's going to work. It, I laugh at it when I, when you said they don't understand it, but it's one of those like painful because I've been there. I've had, <laughs> I've had teams go, you know, where they look at something and they always say, well, you know, the deal's not done until it's signed. It's like bullshit. The deal's not done until you get paid because I have had a couple of contracts in my, my years where the company signed it and it said right there, whatever it was, hundred thousand dollars due on signature. And they signed it and then went, well, I mean, we don't have the money. I'm like, well, then what? <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm absolutely not kidding. They were like, "What?" Well, I'm like, well, "Why the fuck did you sign this?" It's <laughs> it says right here. And there yeah. are situations where it's like there's only so much clarity you can put on a situation before you just have to realize that they're not reading it or whatever the hell it is. Um, yeah, yeah. But so when without getting into like super super details. When you're structuring contracts, and we do kind of need to clarify between employee and contractor, because at least here in the U.S., that's that's two different things. Mm -hmm. If they're not, how, how do you set it up in broad terms if they're not being paid salary wise? I mean, are you doing rev shares or free merch or, or how, how is it how is it set up? So I really think that that kind of depends on this, on, on your plans for your game and kind of the stage of where your game is and where it's going. Because the two people that I'm talking about on my team, um, they signed up to help me out at the very start where, when I didn't really plan to make this game like a full feature product. Um, so it, I was like... I guess, like, as part of our contract, you you get the game for free and maybe, like, some other, you know. Um, and, uh, but I did also put in there some some important things when, when you're talking about somebody that's working for free. Uh, you know, the ability to say, hi, Neoware. Um, <laughs> the ability to say, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, goodbye. Like I, I left that to them because technically they're contractual, like contractors and not actual employees. Um, and I wanted to give them the option to just, okay, I, this is too much work for me, especially once the game got to the point that it's at right now, because they're doing way more work than what they originally signed up for. Um, and I also, you know, give them the option to eventually renegotiate the terms of their agreement, um, which I think is also really important when you're dealing with uh, a, somebody who's not getting paid, because I, I'm not a horrible person and I, I want my people to get paid. They're doing really good work and I'm really proud of how well they're doing. Um, and right now, maybe the game doesn't have the money to pay them and I don't, um, but eventually maybe that will be the case. So, you know, we could revisit that that whole idea of, you know, an actual payment um, for what they're doing, which hopefully will be coming up soon because I feel terrible for not paying them. Um, but yeah, I think it really just kind of depends on, on, on the trajectory of the game because you, you can't promise something that you might not ever have. Um, you know, I knew I was gonna finish the game, so I gave them what I could. I give you the game for free. Um, how much, how great that game is going to be, I don't know, but 
um, at the time they were like, okay, that's cool. And, uh, but other people might be able to offer things like revenue share, um, or, or merchandise, or, um, you know, if you're that big, uh, potential equity in your company or stuff like that. I don't know anything about that. I'm just a dev. I'm not a business guy. I don't know what that means. Um, Crystal's selling <laughs> NFTs of all her character art. And that's what you're, that's what you're actually signing on to when you, when you work for her, it's, it's just a, a future NFT, but you brought up a, a, that's a really, really good point that a lot of people don't think of. And it comes up a lot of time when, you know, us as consultants get brought in on stuff and, and people are like, well, can't you just work on a revenue share or, or commission? And, you know, I'll always say, and this is very true with any kind of contractor, you're going to get what you pay for. And you may have to do some sort of rev share in the beginning, but then you end up in a situation like you're in where all of a sudden there is interest in this game. And it's like, oh shit, this is going to be a little bit bigger and a little more real than I thought it was going to be. And having that ability to let people renegotiate based on the next level of work that they're doing, that is fantastic. And that is something that I can tell you for a fact, uh, 25 years of doing this, I haven't seen a whole lot of companies do. But the concern that you always have to have as a small team when you've got somebody that's working on a revenue share is that if something comes up in their life and all of a sudden they get offered a six-figure job and mm -hmm. they're not going to have time to do your stuff and you're not going to be a priority because on one hand, they're getting paid a bunch of money or even like a little bit of money to do something. And on the other hand, they're doing something for the hopeful promise that there will be money later on. And so it is a very, very key point. Um, the, okay. So we're already starting to get good questions in here. Um, first one up, Danella, I'm going to just guess I got that right. I freaking suck at, at names. So anyway, um, the issues that must be addressed in contract, in contracts, especially with revenue share, and this is coming from the point of the other people on the team, and, and we can talk about the publisher side later, but what are the absolute must-have issues in revenue share agreements with your own team? So um, I, I personally haven't done um, a, a rev share agreement yet, um, but what I can say is um, that in my own contracts with, with uh, especially, I, I, have, I feel like I have a unique situation. I have a paid employee as well as some unpaid employees. Um, with my paid employee, uh, it's, it's very clearly defined um, how much they're getting paid, what encompasses that payment, as well as um, what they're not getting paid. And I think that's that's kind of like the more important part. Honestly, I'm sorry if you guys hear my animal in the background, um, like trying to escape. <laughs> um, honestly, it's, it's, it's more about like, in, for me, it was more about defining what things this person isn't going to be getting because, you know, I feel like that's the kind of gray area that a lot of people don't cover and don't want to cover, especially indie devs. You know, we, we want to share, we all want to be excited about the, the final product and, you know, where we're going to go. But there comes a point where you kind of have to define the business side of things and um, say, this is mine, this is yours. That's it. And for me, you know, that was, you know, the boring stuff like net net sales, gross sales, um, the stuff that generally most of us indie devs don't know about. Um, but as far as like revenue shares, I can't really answer that because I haven't done that model yet. But, you know, once again, like we said earlier, you're not unique in this. You're unique in, you're somewhat unique in the way that you've handled it professionally, but you're not unique in the situation because when you're dealing with small, especially indie teams, you're always going to have, you know, that you don't necessarily need 
an audio person full time at the studio when there's three of you that are working on an individual. So you're always going to have different levels of, of employees. But yeah, it's well, I'm going to cheat. Tom's in chat now and Tom's the one that, you know, has the 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 kit when he says uh apparently he broke his website and it's not available right now which means um i will sell you tom's kit for five hundred dollars instead of you know the 200 that he'll give he'll give it to you for uh tom if you see this is there a normal rev share rate that you see with employees when they're doing these sorts of contracts and then i'll just leave that out there and and we'll come back to it um but it is, you're not unique. Trust me. That, that's why we do this show. All right. So um, let's go to the publisher side. And so you've had the opportunity at this point to look at several different offers from, from publishers and their contracts. What are some of the key points that you went and looked at initially, you know, it's it's tough, Neil. Where I'll say there's there's no minimum term that falls under the whole it depends thing. But what are you know some of those key points that you looked at in part in terms of like trouble um, contracts? Okay, so uh, for me, the biggest things that that were kind of like a no, um, I I wouldn't even entertain. Um, a one or one i would say is when people were asking for my ip um wouldn't entertain it i just won't um not in this day and age like it's just not the norm anymore unless you're talking about like massive budgets like like huge ginormous like triple a level budgets um which i'm not uh <laughs> and um beyond that um I, I would say the thing, as especially as an indie dev, somebody that's not really going to be doing a f like a full time situation, um, the structure of like milestones for me was really important, and like the wiggle room for submission for milestones. Like if it was like you have to turn this in the day it's due. If you don't, then we're going to own your game and everything like that kind of thing. I no um don't do that don't ever like just don't um that for me was like i'm sorry what uh and um uh let me i think there there's a few that, others that's a very real clause that used to be in contracts and so that's the reason i was i was laughing there because yeah it sounds been crazy but that is very real and in, in what used to be in a lot of these things um, oh, the other one that I was like, not really, I, I didn't really love, um, is it, I forget the exact, like the, the legal name, but like first or last refusal or something like that. It's basically like, if you decide to make like a sequel or a prequel or something like that, the, the publishers, like, I get to go first. I, it, me, 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 I, I get to be on that. Um, I was like, no, like you can you can kind of like say, Hey, you want to pick me? Um, but I can say no and that's okay. Um, some I've, I've heard of some situations where people like literally the publishers, like if you make a sequel of this game, we get to publish it period. And I'm like, no, cause what if, you know, what if you end up in a situation where the publisher is absolute garbage and you don't want to work with them anymore. Um, so that was also a big one for me. Uh, I think, I think those are like the real major ones. So yeah, that's um that's first refusal and last match. First refusal isn't that bad because in an ideal world you've had a good relationship. If the game is going to justify and you know be able to fund a sequel, probability says you've had a good relationship with the publisher and they want to be able to carry on all that marketing hype and all that sort of good stuff. It's not necessarily bad. Last match is where you have to be super careful because it's basically a, a death knoll for any other publisher coming in. Because if you go and publisher A gives you their you know proposed terms, and then you go to all these other publishers and you say, "But you know our existing publisher has a chance to match it." 
90% of those other publishers are going to go, no, we're not doing this. We're, mm-hmm. we're not even going to waste time with it. Just go the other one. So, um, yeah, the first refusal isn't always that bad, but yes, you do need to have that option in there. That's like, look, um, yes, we sold a lot of units, but I just fucking hated working with you. And so <laughs> I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to do this again. Um, so yeah, the other one I would throw out there is your uh, acceptance criteria of milestones. And, you know, we've talked about this in the past where, you know, depending on what the payment terms are, you know, if the payment terms in the agreement are like 30 days after acceptance, but then they have like 30 days to accept it or reject it. And then you have multiple iterations going back and forth. You could be looking at three months after you filed the first milestone that you actually get paid on something. So that's the other, the other big one that's out there. Are you looking for a publisher for your game? Well, we have something special just for you. It's the most comprehensive listing of PC, console, and mobile publishers in the industry. Over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list. And you can get it for free. Check it out. All right. So Christy says, how important would you say it is to have a marketing fund limit mentioned in the contract and what would be a reasonable amount? So um, I don't, I don't think that really having a set number of money like spent is really important. At least it wasn't for me um, as far as like when I was, you know, as I've been going through the, the publishing agreements kind of thing. For me, um, it was more about like knowing what avenues were going to be used um, and kind of understanding the general like marketing plan. Um, Like, are you going to leverage influencers? If so, like what, what, like how big of influencers? and how many have you worked with before and you know those kinds of things to give you the metrics to kind of understand the potential for outreach um i also kind of liked um generally having like a a number of i I forget the word uh like interactions or um you're talking about with the streamers or just uh, just in general like say the publisher is like we're gonna have like our goal is in the first year to have three million reactions or whatever via um like social media posts in general using xyz methods i kind of liked that um because it, it gives a number without like really saying this is how much money we're going to spend um, because the money side for me is so janky. Like there, money, money is one thing, actual like conversions and things is a totally different thing, um, which I had to learn. I had no idea what any of those things mean. I know I sound super educated in my weird, <laughs> um, but for me, it's more about like defining the actual outcome than the amount of money, um, the the desired outcome, um, because they could spend ten thousand dollars on marketing and have like one post that goes and goes crazy, and you're like, okay, great, but that doesn't really correlate to like any anything meaningful. Um, so. I, I would say focus on numbers of, of like conversions more than money. And not all publishers are going to want to put a fund a funding number in there in the first place. 
but two that's i mean that's that's an excellent point it's like if what's better a publisher that drops a hundred thousand dollars in streamers and marketing but only ends up selling ten thousand copies as a result or you know the company that put 10k into marketing and sold a hundred thousand because they have better relationships with the streamers and, and that sort of stuff so yeah the marketing is is like a case by case with with each company and how they prefer to do it. But the idea of accountability, which is basically what it is, it, mm -hmm. is it's the results that matter in the end anyway, not how much money you stick into it. And we've told the horror stories about you know companies wanting to because Christian's got a question in there about the marketing funds being recouped from the developer share. That's another oh. one that. Don't do that. No, that defeats the entire purpose of your publisher. Like you're you're essentially paying for your own marketing. That that's just not it, sweetie. Don't do it. The, yeah, that's <laughs> that it, it, and that's it. I mean, because that's absolutely what comes out. It's it's like you want in in a good partnership. If unless that publisher is like funding day one the entire thing and it's a work for hire type situation. Yeah. You know there is a certain cost of doing business that they have to assume you're assuming the risk of the development. I mean, whether or not you've actually been paying yourself or if it's sweat equity, either way, they have to be responsible for something too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of publishers are much better about that than they used to be. But yeah, at the same time, if they're recouping everything, you know, like, in the in the olden days when they were trying to write off e3 expenses to oh, every single no. publisher yeah it, oh it happened it was like you know no. part of your that we get to deduct the cost of of trade shows from your you know your net receipts and it's like no. but you're doing that against five different publishers when you're only going to one event and but yeah um it's a i guess yeah, that's a red flag yeah i, I don't don't do that that so the flip side of this coin is it's hard to say don't do that when, you know, publishers, this may be the only deal that they have on the table. And so it's like, if you don't, then you're not going to get a deal. It's that, always something that you have to weigh. But what we're what yeah. we're talking about here are things you should be careful of and things that you should look twice at in the less than ideal terms if you don't have to do them type thing. Um all right, so here's another one. When should the contracts be drafted when a new member joins my team? Um, be before they before they join your team, um, like uh, before you say, "Yeah, you're hired. Let's do it." Um, there there needs to be a contract, like way before there's any any work done, at, even thinking about doing work. Um, you need to have a contract. Uh, very very early you know when you're defining terms obviously like wait until you're done doing that but um before <laughs> before you get that person to do anything they need to have a contract that is signed by both parties and um i think even if you don't have a contract like an official contract that says this is it even if you write something like bullet points that you're like, this is what it is. And you guys both sign it on a freaking napkin. Um, that's still better than having nothing. Um, because then you save your little napkin, get it, get it, you know, put it, put it in a folder. Look at you signed the napkin. Um, so, you know, that's something that is defining terms that they have agreed to. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I have a tagu behind me and she's like going nuts. Um, it's all good. Mine's sitting outside the window right now. I want to know if she can come in. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, before they do any work, before anyone does anything that has anything to do with your game, there needs to be a signed contract by both parties. All right. So photos on Twitch brought up a, a point that we can, we can talk about. NDAs. So how did you tackle NDAs and publishers? So um, 
I have a really unpopular opinion. Um, I This might not be the right thing, um, but please, please don't go to a publisher and say, I'm not talking to you until you sign an NDA. Don't do that. Because um, that's just annoying. Um, you know, if, if you're going to get into details of the game after you've initially, like, kind of made that contact uh, that you're uncomfortable sharing, then, you know, then say, would it be all right if we kind of sign an NDA before I go into the details, kind of the, what makes the game special that I really just don't want to be out in the world? That's one thing. But, you know, if they're like, hey, yeah, we saw your game. Let's have a chat. And you're like, okay, but you have to sign an NDA first. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> um, make sure you come equipped, you know, to your first conversations with, a, with your publisher um, with your NDA, if they're like, okay, you know, this actually sounds really great. Can we go more into the details? Then you can present it to them. But yeah, don't, don't go time my it, NDA. It, it may be an unpopular opinion, but it's not wrong. And so one of those things that you have to realize, one, there are a lot of publishers that won't sign an NDA. I mean, mm -hmm. the bigger the publisher is, the smaller your chances of getting an NDA signed. They operate under the premise of, I don't even know what you're going to show me. And so I can't guarantee you that we don't already have something, work, someone working on something similar. Two, it, it's well known in the industry, ideas are worth nothing. You know, yeah. it's all about the execution. So if you come in and say, well, I have this idea. Let, let's take your game, you know, for example. It's like you go in and you say, okay, well, look, we've got a, a farming, you know, lifestyle type game, but I want you to sign an NDA before it. They're going to go, no. no, there's a shitload of those out there. There's no way we're going to sign an NDA before we start looking at this. But once they get that initial impression, plus you've already had the game on social media. It's not secret mm -hmm. shit at that point in time. And so, yes, I agree. If you're going to get into very, very specific groundbreaking patent holding type stuff, yes, you need an, an NDA. Uh, before you start handing over code, you need to have some protection in there, but don't make the mistake it's like one of the biggest turnoffs in a meeting when people are pitching to us it's like well we have this game and we set up a meeting with you but you have to sign this nda first it's <laughs> like i'm sorry i should no I no i mean laugh. it is and i'll tell them point blank listen i understand you want to protect whatever you've got but you need to come back to me when you have something that you're willing to show semi-publicly because I, I can't just run around and sign blanket NBAs. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to talk to anyone in the industry if I had to do that. Um, just simply due to the random shit that I know. Uh, all right. So I'm, I'm looking through, this is one of my favorite points that you brought up. Writing this contract makes me feel scummy. I want to be a good ethical business person, but some things seem so one-sided. Okay. So this is from personal experience. Um, Recently, I hired an animator, and um, they are a wonderful person. And um, as I was writing this contract, there were just certain things. Um, for for example, uh, like if that person did not meet the milestones that I set for them, um, things like you're not getting paid. And everything you've given to me pretty much is mine. Um, and I was like, oh, that, you see my lizard in the background. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> That's a new um, one. We've had all kinds of pets on the show. I don't think we've ever had a lizard. Um, I was like, what is that? I'm sorry. ADD. <laughs> uh, my apologies. It's not but, a pet. It just came in from outside. That's, a, that's, um, that's But so there are reasons for that. And it was mainly because... Um, as I was, you know, as I've been going through the getting a publisher thing, um, they have their own milestones that, that they set for you as a developer. And so, you know, if my artist doesn't meet their milestones, I can't meet mine. And that's a whole legal debacle and um, causes me problems because then I might potentially have to hire another person to pick up the slack that this person isn't you know so it's to cover me and it just felt really really crappy because i was like this doesn't help them 
in any way, but also they're not really losing anything aside from time. But if you agree to the milestones to begin with, um, if you don't meet those milestones, it's kind of your fault, not mine. Um, and I was, I'd so I'm like, oh, that feels so horrible because you know I don't ever want to be in a situation where I'm like, okay, you did all this work, but you didn't do what you said you were gonna do, so I'm not gonna pay you. Um, that you know that sounds horrible, but it's it's just the things that you have to do to protect yourself as a business, as a person, um, and kind of plan for the future because being a solo developer was really nice for me because I didn't have to depend on anybody else to do stuff. Um, you know, I know what I can do and what I can't do, but once you start adding other people to the mix, you have to set pretty strict boundaries for those people because otherwise people take advantage of people all the time, no matter who they are. And so you got to protect yourself from the situations. So how did you account for, and this is a situation that we see come up all the time in game development. How did you account for changes, you know, to the requirements that may be? Because especially as the game has started getting traction and you're starting to get, you know, interest from publishers, if you hired an animator, maybe you have more animations that you need now, or maybe a part of that game has been cut and you didn't need the crop digging animation. You need the put another magazine in my gun to fight the zombies animation. How did you account for, for that? So um, I think it kind of depends on like what the actual position is, like what that person's doing. Um, but for me, for example, with, with my animator, um, I, I chose to do like a payment model and a milestone structure that kind of um, was fitting the trend of what publishers were setting my, my milestones at. Um, and so it, it left a little wiggle room as far as like, what things were actually required and animating it was pretty pretty easy because I could just say okay I'm gonna pay you per minute of animation um, instead of per asset uh, so that you know early on that was kind of more easily defined um, than saying okay I have 300 assets that I need based on what I know right now um, it's never going to be what you think it is. <laughs> Unfortunately, in development, things never go the way your brain thinks they're going to go. Um, so I, I try to set kind of a variable um, that that could change over time based on whatever publisher I, I choose uh, kind of wanted and didn't want. If that does that help. <laughs> Now, it, the other thing to keep in mind is, especially when you're dealing with outside contractors, and even when you're dealing with like in, internal milestones at another studio, never, ever, ever set the milestone that is due to the publisher as like the same day that it's due from your contractor, because that shit ain't never going to be on time, and it ain't never going to be right, and you need a, a cushion in there to get it straight. Yeah, and... um before everybody thinks I'm a terrible person, I did set a cushion for uh, for my animator. I, you know, this is their due date, but they do have uh, like an additional like 30 days or something to turn the things in. So, you know, it kind of the terms that you would want your publisher to give you, you should kind of give those to your contractors, like give them a little bit of time. Well, it, make, it makes it a lot easier for you, too, when the requirements match up and then you don't have to worry about one not fitting the other. And so, yeah, very much so. Um, the next good point, and like we said, if y'all got questions, we got about mm, 10, 15 more minutes, pop them in chat and, and we will absolutely jump on it. The recipient doesn't like the terms I've given, but my contract covers what I need it to. How do I handle this? <laughs> um, I I wrote this. I know this is what's so fun. It's like I'm I wrote this point, balls. and I absolutely hate it. Um, when a person says, "I don't like these terms," but you're like. These are the terms, like, if you, if you have no wiggle room at all, if you're like, this is what I need, sorry. Like, like do not budge. 
do not let other people take advantage of you. Um, I may, I have made that mistake um, as an indie dev, and I, I have let people walk all over me because I feel like indie, indie developers have this horrible mentality that we don't know our value. Um, and so we accept things that we don't want to accept because we feel like we have to. Um, and sometimes you do, and you have to kind of adapt and learn when it's okay to say, mm, well, I, you know, this is what I got. But if you're the person that is setting the terms and there are other options in the world, do not, you know, do, don't, don't budge. If you, if you're like, this is what I need, this is, I, period. Don't change your mind just because a person is like, eh, I don't really like that. Well, hmm, I'm sorry. I don't really like you. Bye. <laughs> like, <laughs> Crystal, when you get done making the game, you have a home over here on my negotiation team, you, you know, to, uh, <laughs> because I like the idea of it. You know what? It, I don't give a shit. That's, that's what it is. The, the other thing that, that we can't overlook, and, and it is tough for indie devs because there are so many games out there, you know, and so many games getting pitched to publishers. You get a wonderful feeling when all of a sudden somebody goes, oh, my God, I like this thing that you've been working on and I want to work with you on it. You don't necessarily always know is that a reputable company? Is this a good partner for me? A lot of the questions that we preach on, on the show kind of get shoved away because you're like, Oh my God, somebody likes what I've done. Yes. I'm still excited and I'm just going to sign. And that's yeah. not an easy thing to overcome. We, we, you know, we all pour our hearts, our time, our blood, sweat, tears into our games. And, you know, for a publisher to take notice and be, you know, kind of that person that's validating the things that you've been doing. And they offer you terms that are basically invisible because you're like, they noticed me. I don't even care what it is. Um, it, that's why I'm here today because I'm like please stop doing that um you know it's there are so many opportunities in the world so many more than every indie dev knows um there's going to be something out there for you like just don't just say yes don't be a yes man don't do it understand your options and be willing to to walk away from something because you know we still see it this day and age you know there are companies that run out there and they sign a whole bunch of contracts either hoping one of them's going to take off or you know they come in with these ridiculously predatory terms and, and mm -hmm. the good thing is there are a lot of people that are out there and willing to give you advice you know obviously we're not going to go in and negotiate your contract for you. Those of us, those of us on the consulting side or on the, on the legal side, but this is a wonderful industry where you can get, you know, good advice and you don't have to just absolutely jump into the first contract that you get because, you know, even companies like Whitethorn and, and raw fury that just, they put their contract out there. It's like, look, this is, this is our contract, you know, go through it, look at it crucify whatever we want you to know what you're getting into when you work with us that has helped but at the same time you know we've got a, our discord there are other groups other discords go in and say hey look i got this clause that's coming up in this contract and i've never heard of it i don't know what this is this is good bad whatever people are willing to help you know it, it's not one of those things where you're out there on your own on an iceberg yeah and uh, like personally, I would say if you end up in a situation where you're talking to a publisher and they give you terms, they give you a contract and you're like, I, what do I do with this? Um, first off, please get it reviewed by a lawyer. Um, if you, lawyers are not nearly as expensive as people think they are. Um, I was like, oh God, um, I'm talking to all these people. I have to get these contracts reviewed. It's going to be a bajillion dollars. It's really not. I, I, I think I spent like 300 bucks. Like 
to some people that's an immense amount of money. And if you're in that situation where you're like, I can't really afford um, a lawyer to look this over. Um, I have heard of, you know, good publishers will be willing to work with you. Their lawyers walk you through it and help you understand. Because if, if it's a good publisher, they want you to understand what, they're, what you're signing. Um, they don't want you to sign because they want your game and your money. They, that's it, It's a mutual agreement. Publishing is a mutual thing. They want you to be successful. They want you to be, like, understand. So if you're like, I really can't afford to get this looked over, a lot of, like, a lot of them are like, okay, well, what can we do? Let me help you out because we really want to work together. We want you to understand what you're agreeing to. And don't get your legal advice from Reddit. Don't go uh, to Facebook. <laughs> Please don't do that shit. Please. Don't go to I, Facebook group. That's don't go to the indie game developers Facebook page and at don't do that. Holy crap. You you tell them why. That way I don't have to. <laughs> do not do that. I see so much advice. One, it's not advice. It's not. You never know who's actually giving you advice. Rubber Ducky 69 <laughs> may not have any experience in this industry. And so would you say, well, they want a piece of my IP and they're like, under no circumstances should you ever buy. I'm like, that's not the case. Yes, no. You don't, yes. Don't, don't. <laughs> oh boy. No hate, no hate. Don't get bit. your, don't get your legal advice or your medical advice from Reddit or Facebook groups. There's there's our, our takeaway for today. All right, so we've got about five more minutes. Anything, if you've got a question, pop it in chat. Otherwise, Crystal is available on our Discord server for the post-session chat. She has the coveted guest of the show tag on there now, so her name is way up at the top of the list. Um, what is the one thing that you wish you had done differently up to this point? Um, I wish that I had started my game with the intention of making it a full game, um, which sounds silly, but um, I, I didn't have a plan for my game. And, you know, as I'm moving forward, realizing how many things I haven't defined in, in the game, has definitely made it difficult, especially when looking for a publisher because they want to know the details. They they see what they see, but they want to know what's going to happen beyond that. And um, oh my god! Um, and I, I, <laughs> sorry. And um, I I struggled a little bit early on when starting to negotiate with publishers to answer some of their questions because I didn't know. Um, so I would say I wish I had more of a plan um, for my my actual game um, when as I'm progressing forward, uh, especially with publisher negotiations. So while we're getting our, our next talk ready, and, and I'm waiting for the green light from Indy that he's got the next session queued up. So how would you have, I mean, because that's a really good point, because, you know, there's the game that you want to make when you're self-funding everything and you know you've got these constraints, but then there's the game that you can make when you have the backing of a publisher. How would you have gone through and, and planned that out? I mean, from the from the design stage or from the production management stage, how would you have made it different along that way? So after I finally made the decision to start like pursuing a publisher, I kind of created two separate game design documents um, because, you know, there was the idea of having a publisher and the idea of not. Um, and the games that would be produced based on that are going to be worlds apart um, because of money. Uh, and so, you know, when, when I started thinking about if I have X amount of money, what can I do? Um, and, you know, what things might my community, my games community want? Um, 
that really changed a lot based on money stuff. Um, and I, I was like, okay, even if I don't get a publisher, I still need an idea of what I want to do with the game. Um, because, you know, publisher is not the end all be all of game development. You don't need one. Um, so I, I personally just kind of made two completely different game plans just to cover all of my bases. I see. That's that's very simple, very easy to do. You have your your have to haves and then your your want to haves. Mm -hmm. uh, Crystal, thank you so much for coming on and and you know doing a, a real world chat on on the legal side from the developer standpoint. Uh, our next session is ready to go. Like I said, if you've got further questions, we have a fantastic Discord at Indie Game Business. Uh, no wait, at Discord.com/slash Indie Game Business or Discord.gg, whatever it is. Go on Discord, search for Indie Game Business, and. <laughs> Next up, uh, we've got Khalil and Ahmed, and they're going to talk about how they took their indie game and from PC to console and, you know, all the steps that indie devs need to do to self-publish on console. So give us like two seconds to reset everything and Dan will be right back. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.